Good afternoon and welcome to this week's episode of Rachel Gaffney's Real Ireland. Uh, Today is Wednesday, October the 2nd, and I'm with you live from the Lincoln Studios here, the Lincoln Center Studios here in Dallas, Texas. And I'm here with my producer, Anna. So everybody say hi to Anna. Hello, everyone. Hi, Anna. How are you? Good. Happy to have you, Rachel. Finally, you're back. I'm back. I'm back. I've done a lot of traveling, as you know. There's a lot been going on. And I know you've been in Portugal for a while. I know. And I've been in Ireland. And we have to catch up after this show to talk about our respective holidays or vacations, as we say here. (laughs) Um, But it's beautiful outside. I'm looking outside blue skies and still very very warm here in Dallas I'd say it's still in the 90s would you say it's in the 90s still uh yes yeah absolutely but there's supposed to be a break in the weather come um Monday or so so we're all ready for a little bit of fall I think or a little bit of autumn but um anyway glad to be back and uh hopefully we'll start developing some really good episodes and working on a lot actually behind the scenes so hopefully we'll get some more meat on the bones Um, I wanted to start off with a little update, uh, very kindly, from American Airlines. And that is um, their direct flight from Dallas-Fort Worth to Dublin, which, you know, it started off as seasonal. Um, I mean, it's still seasonal. It just ended there at the last week. And it's supposed to start, resume next June, June the 7th. But I received an email from Scott Siriani, the regional director yes. of American Airlines. Do you remember Scott that oh, was in the studios a few months back? It was back? such a fun episode. Oh my God, I remember it. we had a really good time and he provided really great insight. Yeah, he was great. And do you remember he had the green socks and the shamrocks oh, on yes. them? Yes. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> but anyway, Scott emailed me to say, Rachel, great news. Uh, I got to put on my glasses here because I can't read anymore. Um, the previously published date of June the 4th has now been brought forward to May the 7th, 2020. So the flight is performing very well between Dallas, Fort Worth and Dublin. So it's the first direct flight we've had from Texas to Ireland, uh, which is great news that it obviously is performing very well. So on June, the, uh, May the 7th is when it resumes, which means that we have 215 days before that flight resumes or 30 weeks to get your booking in. So the sooner the better. So that's really great news, right? I love it. Yeah, so do I. Now, listen, uh, lots going on. And I wanted to talk to you guys today. Uh, I've been spending a lot of time traveling around Ireland this summer. In fact, out of 110 days, I calculated I spent about 72 of them traveling between the two countries. Uh, well, 72 of them mostly in Ireland. And um, during that time frame, um, 
uh, something happened to me while I was there and I decided to take the road less traveled. Now, every week I talk to you about travel and tips, places to go, hotels to stay, all the different things. And as you know, Anna, I'm always telling you, you know, how I feel about to stop speed dating with Ireland, mm -hmm. right? And that's my big bugbear is going all over the country and not really spending time um, really experiencing it. So I thought I'd take some, my, you know, a little spoon of my own medicine. And last July, I was literally in my parents' house and I thought, I'm going to go away for a week and I'm going to go somewhere I haven't spent time before on my own. So I booked a cottage on Airbnb on July the 20th for one week. And my destination was going to be on the Barra Peninsula. So I'm going to show you the map of Ireland right now. And if you look down at the most southerly point there, you've got the two counties of Cork and Kerry. Now, jutting out in between those two counties, you've got a peninsula known as the Barra Peninsula. So there's the Barra Peninsula. So if you could keep that map up now for a moment. Um, whilst I was looking and find, trying to find somewhere to book, I booked, um, I, I decided to go to a place called Ard Groom. Why did I choose there? No idea. I found a cottage, one bedroom, and decided this is where I need to be, and I went with no plan. I literally had a map with me, my laptop, and I wanted Wi-Fi um, that was on my reservation. I wanted Wi-Fi so I could work and be able to do some work from there. Well, you know what they say about all of the best laid plans, right? So I arrived anyway on the Saturday night, and I drove up um, at about 8 o'clock at night to get my cottage. So here's, uh, before I get to my cottage, by the way, um, I decided to take a scenic route. So I drove from Cork City along West Cork. Um, can we bring that map back up there again, please, Anna? Uh, the one there where it says Glengariff and Bantry to the far right of your screen. Um, so I was in Glengariff, I got as far as there, and I was going across, as you can see, to Ard Groom. And I decided I was going to take the scenic route, which was over what they call the Healy Pass. Why did I do that? I wanted to take the scenic route instead of the main motorways. And before you leave this map, you can see um, between Ardgroom and Glengariff, you can see the mountainous range there on that peninsula, which means I'm going to be crossing over the mountains. But I wanted to do this myself and drive over it. And boy, am I glad I did. And this is what I mean by when I send you somewhere in Ireland, I know when people are coming to me for their trips, they keep asking me for where to go and suggestions and everything. And here's where I find that I'm a little bit different to, to most people when it comes to looking after people's trips to Ireland is that I do this myself first. I always go check it out. I drive, I research, I have no plan because I want to find the best experience for you. And everybody's best experience is different, as Georgina Campbell says, my friend who wrote the book. Uh, but everybody's best experience is different. So I decided to go over the Healy Pass. So here we are going over the Healy Pass. I took some photographs at the very top. Now, do we have a photograph there of the Healy Pass? Right, this is part of it. We'll hold that up now. This is part of the Healy Pass. Now, the Healy Pass was built during the famine in around 1847 um, to help prevent starvation. And it was named after Timothy Michael Healy, who was a Corkman, born in County Cork, where I'm from. He knew only all too well that there was a need for a proper road between the Kerry side and the Cork side of the Barra Peninsula. At the top of the Healy Pass, where Cork meets Kerry, the funeral procession stopped at this point and literally pushed the corpse in the coffin over the border. 
So we're talking famine times, remember? 1847, now the Great Famine was 1840, 1845, they say, but really and truly the famine went on for years and years and years. People didn't just suddenly stop dying in 1845. Um, and this is how this came about. And this is now called the famous flat rock at the very top. Um, when I got to the top, I stopped to take some pictures and there was a vintage car rally going on while I was there. And it was incredible to see these old um, cars. But as I walked up, um, there's a beautiful waterfall coming down the side of the mountain. So I got out of my car and took a picture of this waterfall coming out of the side of the mountain. Isn't that gorgeous, Anna? That's pretty amazing. Yeah. So there's a passage there? No, it's called the Healy Pass, P-A-S-S. And that is the connection between the two counties. It's the road up over the mountains. Mm -hmm. um, I took a little bit of video. Let's see if we can show some video. Excuse the noise, but it's the wind. Oh, no, we got rid of it. Um, and look at this view at the very top. And a, a lot of people, you know, family, a lot of people here in the States may or in other parts of the world have ancestors from Cork and Kerry. And this is the division, this is the point at the top between the two counties. So that's me standing in Cork looking over into County Kerry. You know, it's, it's magnificent, isn't it? It's quite, quite the view, Rachel. Yeah, and you were is. there enjoying it by yourself, no one else there? Nope. Wow, that's quite Except for the vintage amazing. car rally, these old cars kept coming up and over, so <laughs> that was quite spectacular. But this is my point about, you know, if I was on in a, in a rush and I had to go around Ireland, I had to be somewhere, I have to be in a hotel and check in and go here and go there, I'm missing out on some of these views and some of these beautiful experiences. Um, and the older I get, the more I like to travel around by myself and just you see what happens. Uh, so then I get to my cottage. Here's my little cottage. I took a photograph of my cottage. Sweet, isn't it? Oh, that's adorable. Wow, yeah. there's a lot of steps. It was great fun going up the steps of the suitcase. <laughs> it was great fun. Um, actually, I hauled my suitcase up the steps. <laughs> I discovered later on that there's actually a parking space around the back, a back road. So after I hauled my suitcase up, um, the farmer who owns the cottage says, why didn't you go in where the car is parked? I'm like, oh, okay. Anyway, so I'm in the cottage and I want to tell you guys a little story. So this is how I'm going to introduce this part of the country to you this week is by telling you my experience for the week. And I'm hoping that my experience in this seven day period will inspire you to, to take some advice to just slow down and stay in a region or stay in a small area in Ireland and, and go off for the day or for a few hours and stop going somewhere different every single day. It's exhausting. So we move on and um, I didn't have internet. Now I had requested internet, there was an outage and they were getting it fixed, it wasn't their fault. But it turned out that the day turned into two days, which isn't a problem, it eventually got fixed because they had to come from the nearest county and they were servicing everything on that mountain. So it's not like we're in Dallas where somebody can come within an hour. Uh, that being said, I needed to go somewhere with internet access. So I happened upon just up the road in Ardgroom a post office with a cafe and it's called Harrington's and I took a photograph of this place so here we are in the middle of this little town called Ardgroom where I have my cottage outside and this is the local gas station you can see it's the gas and petrol station and then you can see those windows there at the blue walls that's actually the um, little cafe but this place is the post office the petrol station the hackney cab service the cafe the grocery store and the bus service it's like what seven in one it's everything it's <laughs> one stop does all 
Now, what's fantastic about this, I went in and had some breakfast um, because they had Wi-Fi. And that's when I was fortunate enough to meet Noraline. Noraline is the lady there, uh, one of the Harringtons in Ardgroom. And Noraline, if you're watching or if you're watching this later, I just want to say hi. I love you so much. You were you and your family were the most wonderful people I've ever come across. And you are the epitome of Irish hospitality. And here's why. Um, whilst I was in there on that Sunday, there was a little bus outside that broke down. Funnily enough, it broke down outside Harrington's, which was quite fortuitous for them. And there was a load of Germans got out and they were soaking wet, soaking wet. And they stopped to fix to get some help with the bus. Um, but little did they know Noraline was there and Noraline brought them inside into the back into her house, made them all take off their trousers. She put them all in the tumble dryer and they're all sitting inside with pots of tea and coffee having a drink. Now, you might say, well, you know, she got the bus service repair out of it. No, that's not why she did it. She did it because it's that's true Irish hospitality. The more the merrier. Come on in. Have a cup of tea. We look after you. And I was just sitting here watching all this and that I got to know people there. And each day unfolded to the next day. Uh, before I knew it, Anna, the entire week went. And I think I used the Internet maybe twice in a week in my cottage because Harrington's was now the center of my universe for the whole week. Sounds like the beginning of a book or a movie here, but it's true. So the village itself in Ardgroom, I took some photos of the village. It's really lovely. You can see it's really quaint. Um, these are the very typical signs you see in Ireland. Uh, do you see how they're written in English and Irish? Yes. Um, and um, that then um, there was a little bar there called the Village Inn. But see how brightly coloured all the places are? Yes, very, very uh, cheerful. Yeah, so that was Mullins, the village inn. And uh, look at that fella sitting there looking across going, who's that woman taking the picture of me? <laughs> uh, obviously the little benches outside. So this was in the town. Everything's very colourful and well taken care of. And then there's the river just at the top of the town. I sat up there on the bench. Look at that. Oh, is that the view that you had? Look at those hydrangeas. Oof, so beautiful. Are they hydrangeas or rhododendrons? Um, Somebody's going to correct me here now, but I, yes. I, I, I think they're hydrangeas. Oh, we have to say hi to uh, our uh, watchers and listeners. We have nine people at least right now. Oh, the current hello. Yes, hello. They're all my cousins. <laughs> 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 Has anybody been? I want to know if anybody's been to this part of the country, to Ardgroom, to the Barra Peninsula, both on the Kerry side and the Cork side. I, I'd love to know. You know, I'd love if people tell me if they've been somewhere around here. So the next day... Um, I wanted to do something a little different and I had heard that there was a stone circle because the guys told me there in the post office that there is a stone circle called Ardgroom Stone Circle. So I drove up to this little place. Now it's off the beaten path a little bit. It's about two miles out. And I took a little time lapse video because what I want to tell you is if you're looking for a stone circle in Ireland, first of all, the stone circles um, are thousands and thousands of years old and they are literally stones in a circle but they're from um you know pre-christianity so um can we show that little video there all right there's me climbing over the sty across the field obviously speeding it up a bit for you here through the cow muck and i get to the stone circle and the only people there with me are the only living creatures are those look at the cattle in the background you can see their heads peeking out and the clouds were really low. It's a lovely evening. And there was just myself. I think I took a photo, a selfie of me with my Texas Rangers baseball cap on. 
um, in the stone circle. So I walked out of my cell on my own, walked across, chatted with the cows, obviously. Because <laughs> only As I would chat does. with the cows. But we'll go to the stone circle. So this is the stone circle. Um, and if you just keep that photo there up of the stone circle, um, and I'll explain to you that, um, that, that these stone circles are probably 5,000 years old and they think they used them from early Christi uh, pre-Christianity and that they were used either for rituals or for religious events. They don't know exactly what. Some have been excavated around Ireland and they have found some bodies. Uh, but they were definitely used for rituals and ceremonies of some sort um, during when the Celts were uh, practicing um, in, in Ireland. Um, they can be there. There, there's a lot of them in England, especially the very well-known one, which is um, Stonehenge. And then um, they are dotted around Ireland, mostly Northern Ireland, and then parts of Cork and Kerry. A lot of them are on private land, so you have to kind of ask for some permission. And some are signposted, and you can find them. And I, I like to find them. I just like to stand there and feel that a stone that old, I mean, we can build houses and they can't stay up 20 years, but we can put a stone up for thousands of years and it's still there, which is quite impressive, really, considering all the adverse climates, uh, hurricanes and storms we get. But anyway, I think they're very impressive. So that's the stone circle. Um, now, bearing in mind, this is all in this little area, Ard Groom, you probably drive through it and think, oh, there's not much there. There's lots. You need to stop and you need to you need to listen and you need to, to to meet people. The following day, I went on to the nearest town called Iris. And in Iris, I went for a walk through the town and I spotted this blue plaque on the wall. Now, anything with this color blue. For me, it's it's a magnet like stop, look, look. It could be a piece of pottery. It could be a wall plaque. It could be a bench. It could be a door. I'm drawn to this color blue time and time again hence the blue logo behind i take photos of blue doors and gates all over ireland but the blue anyway but i stopped just because of the blue but what i found was as you can see this sign let's put it up there again and it says um podrigo muraku and underneath it says um shanaki now that is irish so let's leave that up so pa father that's a father on the a a father on the O and the U, and that is from our Irish language. So Podrigo Muraku, literally translated, means Patrick Murphy. And Shanaki means storyteller. So this was something that we had a long time ago in Ireland. We still have some, but it's a dying, dying art form. And what it really means is storyteller or the du direct translation from the Irish language actually means the bearer of old lore. And what would happen is, especially long before electricity and televisions and telephones, people would sit around the fire or sit in a, in a house or in a pub, and this guy would tell stories. Now, I'm sure there was a lot of embellishing and exaggeration, but it was an art form, and it still is, for a really good story to be told. I mean, I've been to events where people are talking, and they can be very knowledgeable on the topic, but you want to go to sleep. And then you've other people are really interesting to listen to. So a really good storyteller uh, was in demand in Ireland. And this was one of the more famous storytellers I later found out. And as I wandered down the road, um, at the end of this road was a derelict house. And I took a little video footage there. As you can see in the wind. So that house in the background with the old burnt out rafters, this was where that Shanachie lived. This is where he was born and raised in Iris on the Barra Peninsula in West Cork. So that's, um, 
it's quite a small little house, you know. I mean, this was typical of what people lived in back then, really and truly. Um, and I it's still standing in a, in a kind of a way. Yeah. And it's literally right there. It's at the edge of the ocean, so it's overlooking the Atlantic right there. Um, and and it's, it's breathtaking, though. I just was very carpeted sort of way, as you can see, the lovely soft grass and hay. And it was just nice being wandering around. I could breathe beautifully, the fresh air. It was, it was just so lovely just being there. Um, and then the next day, uh, I decided to go on to the town of Kenmare. Uh, now, Kenmare is about 35 minutes drive from um, Ard Groom. And look at it. It's just a lovely town. Now, I, Kenmare is in County Kerry. So Ard Groom is in West Cork, uh, in the Cork side. And then Kenmare is in County Kerry. So I drove from Ard Groom to Kenmare, about 35 minute drive. Might take some people 40, 45. It might have taken me 20 minutes sometimes. But I kind of drive like a rally car driver on the back roads. I love it. I love the back roads. That's how I learned how to drive, and um, there aren't too many police around. They got you prepared for, for the traffic in Dallas, huh? Yeah, well, it's boring. I like to actually really drive. I like the gear stick change, and the, I love the whole thing. So, But in the town of Kenmare, this is one of my favorite spots, uh, favorite towns in Kerry, and I try to send people there all the time because it's, it's not as touristy as some of the other places. Um, yes, it's of course tourists are there, but beautiful shops, beautiful restaurants. Um, one of the ones I went to for lunch there or for dinner is Paki's restaurant in Kenmare. I highly recommend that. P-A-C-K-I-E apostrophe S food and wine in Kenmare. Such a beautiful restaurant. Another one is the Lime Tree restaurant in Kenmare. Uh, beautiful old stone house, another gorgeous one. And both of these are, you know, in the town of Kenmare. One is at the top of the town, the other is in the middle of the town. <clears throat> and then, of course, I had to go visit some properties, go visit some hotels. And literally at the edge of the town of Kenmare is a beautiful property called Sheen Falls Lodge, spelled S-H-E-E-N, Falls Lodge. And I took some video and um, I'm going to stop talking because I think I was talking on this one, but I want you to have a look at if you're staying in Sheen Falls, this is what you're looking at and this is what you're seeing. Another beautiful property for you to check out when you're in Ireland is Sheen Falls Lodge in Kinmare in County Kerry. Overlooking the Sheen River beautiful bridge off there in the distance. On this estate, you can do some salmon fishing. It's a spectacular location and it's really hard to capture the essence of these places on any video or photograph. No matter what I do, I just can't capture it as well as if you were here, of course. This will give you an idea of what to expect if you come to Sheen Falls Lodge in Kenmare, County Kerry. So there you have it. Uh, it's hard to capture all of these in, in video and photos for you, but I'm trying to do the best I can. You know, you should see me, I'm darting all over the place. And then I took a few photos from the inside of the hotel. I took a few images of the bedroom. This was one of their suites overlooking Sheen Falls. It's beautiful, isn't it? Um, what a view. <clears throat> it's not a hardship. And then the flowers that were out, I mean, the color was red. That's the front of the hotel, um, just outside the lobby. Um, there's the lobby there. 
So you can see it's it's a lovely old hotel, old uh, world charm. Is this and hand painted? Is this a, mu a hand painted mural? Or is I don't know actually. <gasps> and then there's a beautiful little bench in the entryway. That, I mean, it's just the attention to detail. So that's Sheen Falls Lodge. And then I went on to the Park Hotel Kenmare, another beautiful old hotel run by uh, famous brothers uh, John and Francis Brennan. Uh, another old world charm phenomenal hospitality um that's what you want when you go to ireland you want them to look after you i had afternoon tea there oh there's me sitting outside and um that was kind of my afternoon in kenmare i also learned about kenmare diving company and i did that towards the end of the week but remember i was telling you about the harringtons who the beginning of the week i start with the harringtons and they start helping me out and sending me to different places and um i when I was finished in Kenmare, I went back that night, went to bed. The next morning, went for breakfast. I was sitting there having a cup of coffee, and I just took a picture of the pottery in front of me on the table. You know when you go into restaurants here in the States, and the sugar, and the... Let's keep that up there for a minute. Um, so, you know, I just thought, look at those. The little peonies, or the little uh, flowers. The little sugar bowl, the little creamer. And I was looking at them going, oh, these are so gorgeous. I wonder who makes these, or where they're from. So... That was when I started chatting with uh, Noraline, Noraline Harrington again, who the proprietor there. And she said, oh, Rachel, that's Marianne Klopp's pottery. So Marianne Klopp, oh my gosh, I'm going to get it wrong. She's either German or Austrian. I can't remember which. But anyway, she uh, lives now there in that part of the world and makes all of this exquisite pottery. And I thought, I got to go see this pottery. So she gave me the directions and off I went that day. I remember, no plan. Each day was going to unfold. Um, and off I went and I drove and along the way to find this place I stopped um, at the cliff's edge and you can see look what I saw along the way look at this gorgeous photograph of um, the uh, cliffs and before I got to the pottery place I stopped here and sat at the edge and did a walk a cliff walk a loop I think it was a three mile one because there's lots of trails along the way so I ended up doing a walk and a trail myself before happening upon this pottery place and I went inside and the colors were just exquisite and again that blue you know I'm attracted to that blue so the blue was what made me ask about this pottery I've since bought some of this and it's now my kitchen um, so this beautiful these mugs um, and she makes all these lovely little honey jars uh, all different types of things and there's nobody else around so I thought well I'll take a little video footage of this to show you so just this is their studio isn't it lovely it's very bright it's I very love bright it. and it's very um I see she chose her spot well um overlooking all of these trees and I had to drive up this huge gravel driveway to get to this place but it was well worth it um Obviously, there's different styles besides those blues. You can see the different colors, and the different themes. So her name is Marianne Klopp, um, last name K-L-O-P-P um, on the Bear Peninsula. And that's she's German. Her pottery. Sorry, I was, I was searching for it. She's German. Oh, You're she's German. Right. OK. So after I'd had my cup of coffee, or after, you know, whilst I was having my coffee in Harrington's and I asked her about the pottery, before we go on to the next thing, I was asking about the pottery, which she told me was Marianne Klopp, and I ended up going there. But I also noticed up in the distance on her shelf, like stuffed away in the background with these old weighing scales, ledgers, um, and all sorts of stuff. And I went, Norlene, what are those from? And she said, oh, I'll take those down and show them to you. And I'm so glad she did. Because out pops, can you see the ledger, the old ledger? Because remember I said to you, it's the post office? Mm-hmm. This post office has been in their family. That ledger dates back to 1908. 
um, and we went back even further and we were reading what people were ordering. Oh, I love it. What were people reading? Oh, uh, God, writing? I remembered at the time. I'm trying to look and see if I can read it here. Um, but they were ordering things like um, sugar and canvas and cloths. And some, some were ordering a spoon. And then they would come and sign the account. Um, and it was all tallied and tarried there. So, and that was the old post office stamp. Um, and that was the old box. Do you see the box there? And that carried all the little letters and numbers inside it to attach to the stamp for the ledger because remember the post offices were all over Ireland it was sort of the hub where people you know shopped paid their bills um, paid their electricity that kind of stuff so it was so sweet to see that still there again this is a place you might drive through our groom pass through and think it's a gas station or a cafe but all this history was unfolding itself now remember I said to you about the name Harrington and I'm kind of coming towards the end now um, and what I wanted to tell you was as I was talking about the history, she introduced me to her brother, Flor, Flory Harrington. Oh my God, a character you will, you will not meet anywhere else. Actually, probably will. In Ireland, you meet characters all over the place, but he was fantastic. But we started talking about the nearby place of Alihees. And Alihees is also along the Berra Peninsula. So I was over at the other side. Think about that. If you can picture while I'm looking, while you're looking at this photograph. Now, this is the Berra Peninsula. We're looking at Alihees. And Alihees was famous for its copper mines. And these copper mines were made famous by, well, no, not these ones. The copper mines were where, um, you know, when we had the Industrial Revolution, this was possibly um, one of the most well-known copper mines in Ireland is the only way to put it. Um, so the giant deposits of um, quartz rock contained all of this copper ore inside it. And so they would extract the ore in Alihees on the Bear Peninsula in West Cork, and then they would ship it across to, to Swansea in Wales. And um, so it started there around 1812, they reckon, 1810, 1812, and it was definitely the biggest uh, copper mining enterprise in Ireland at, uh, for its day. And then come along, along comes a man from, again, here we are back up to County Cavan. Remember we visited County Cavan before? And we visited Nevin Maguire up there in the cooking school at McNeen House. So what, another what place. What an episode. Pardon? That was great. What, that was a great episode. Yeah. So a man by the name of Marcus Daly from Bally James Duff in County Cavan owned one of the m largest copper mines in the world. And it was in a place called Butte, Montana. And in Butte, Montana... What happened now, so looking at these copper mines, right? So they're in business in Ireland. They're doing really, really well. And then 1865 comes around and the copper mines start running into trouble. So word gets out that this man in Cavan is in Butte, Montana, and he's got one of the most successful copper mines in the world. And no texting, no WhatsApp, no Snapchat, but the word gets out that the copper mining in Butte, Montana is where it's at. So the Irish from this part of the country head over in droves to Butte, Montana. So now Bally, but going back to, Mar to uh, Marcus Daly from Bally James Duff in County Cavan, he would employ Irish people. He would uh, employ as many Irish people as he could because he knew they were also really hard workers. So the people started to pour in from the Berra Peninsula. Now they did come from other parts of Ireland too. They came from Donegal and Clare and parts of the West, but predominantly they came from Cork. That is why in Butte, Montana, you will find tons of names like O'Neill, O'Brien's, O'Sullivan's, and Harrington. And the Harrington name 
these were the Harrington family that I met in the gas station, the post office. And it all began with me stopping in the internet cafe, in the cafe, accessing the internet, meeting the Harringtons, spending every day, having breakfast every day with them, talking, listening, taking notes, going to visit the places they suggested. And then it got me onto this research about Butte, Montana. Um, and so there are, uh, they said, I, I did some research, it said by 1900, it was estimated that 25% of Butte's population was Irish, according to the Montana Standard. That was the newspaper, it still is the paper there. But that's quite a bit. 25% of Butte's population was Irish and predominantly from that little area on the Barra Peninsula in County Cork and Kerry, because Ken Mare passes over there as well. What am I trying to tell you here? That was just a portion of my week in seven days. It doesn't even nearly touch what I learned in those seven days. But it gives you an idea of what I learned, what I experienced, what I tasted, what I smelled. I mean, the music, um, fresh mussels from the bay in Helen's Bar in Tuosist, visiting the hotels, going for lunch in the restaurants, I went scuba diving. I mean, I did things I would not normally do and learning some history. And that was one cottage for seven days on the Barra Peninsula. And when you go to Ireland, I'm always trying to get you to visit the real Ireland. And people ask me about my name, Rachel Gaffney's Real Ireland. Again, I don't want to talk about the stuff that's negative. I don't want to talk about any problems the country may be having. I don't want to talk about the properties that maybe don't have great service. If I come across them, I note them and I don't use them. I don't recommend them and I don't send my clients to them, but I don't write about them. That's not my job. That space is very, very full right now of people writing and talking about negative things in this world. I'm done. So Rachel Gaffney's Real Ireland. I am not pretending that there aren't issues in, in Ireland as well. But like I said, that's not my job. My job is to introduce you to the great people, the great places, the great products. So the next time you go to Ireland, maybe you'll think about staying in a region, staying in one place, and stop speed dating with Ireland. Until next time, schleunter. <laughs>